on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Lehman, presented by River Wind Casino. OU stuff. OU's leadership is not messing around. Then we discuss OU's depth chart. We preview OU UTEP with the voice of UTEP, John Teicher. And we finish up giving you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, August 31st, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. Go gamble at Riverwind, people. Come on. It, especially, it, the season is here. Stop at Riverwind on your way to the game or after. Go have some fun at Riverwind. To learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of August, visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this Wednesday morning, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Ted, how we doing, buddy? Fantastic. Game week. Uh, Getting back into the old routine. Had the coaches show on Monday night. That was a lot of fun. Feeling good, man. Yeah, and normally we are going to just kind of jump right into the preview of of the upcoming game, but we do, we got to start with some breaking news. We're not exactly a breaking news podcast, but I got an interesting call on on Tuesday uh, from a buddy that works in architecture. And he, he informed me that the university of Oklahoma is actively searching for an architectural firm to design, to design and then build a new standalone football operations facilities for the low, low price of up to $175 million. Woo. So this would obviously be east of the stadium right there uh, at right. Jenkins and Lindsay, uh, where the old Bud Wilkinson used to be. And it would involve moving the track, clearly, which I know a lot of people have talked about for a long time. But I asked a few people uh, about this that would know. And, yeah, that process has started. And the way that it works, because it is a state university, is you know they have to get 
approvals and there, there's a process they have to go through to get this ball rolling. That ball is already rolling. And OU's leadership is not messing around, man. They are determined to have the best facilities in all of college football as they prepare to move to the SEC. And so this would include uh, new practice fields, right? Uh, all new practice facility, uh, world-class resources and recovery, sports science, nutrition, like everything a college football player could ever ask for will be included in this project. And one of the good things, like they, they've got all kinds of other projects going on uh, when it, when it comes to other athletic uh, facilities, upgrades, or, you know, new projects, I'm told the timeline for those will not be affected at all with this addition. So this feels like an absolute game changer for Oklahoma football, Ted. Yeah, it's huge. And you're right. There's, <laughs> there's a lot going on. We know we got a new softball field coming, right? We know that's happening. I, I think there's a good chance we got a basketball arena, uh, you know, coming on the horizon. And then obviously you add the football stuff to it, the uh, standalone football facility. There's a lot going down, not taking the move to the SEC lightly, and uh, it shows and they're on top of it and they're moving forward. This is going to be awesome. I love this. Um, you know, they. it's not like they have bad facilities now. We've talked about that. It's just it's not the best. And we're talking about being the best, right? That's that's kind of the new thing is we're going to talk about it. Let's be about it. And, you know, they as these designs have kind of come out, and, and there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just, you know, how big and cool can you make your locker room and how big and cool can you make your weight room? There's some, there's some guidelines that y you you have to work within in college football. And time is one of those. The 20-hour rule is it's strict. Can't have guys there for longer than 20 hours. So while they're there, that, that time needs to be as efficient as possible. Not moving around from different facility to facility to try and get things done. To have it all in one building Everything is done right there. You can move quickly and efficiently from each meeting or practice or walkthrough or workout or uh, treatment, whatever it might be. Those things save time. And time is absolutely valuable, especially whenever you've only got 20 hours a week. That's not very much time. Right. And the the current Barry Switzer Center is a really nice building, right? It's a really nice building. Now, it is not as functional as you want it to be for OU football. It's just not, right? And that is, that's kind of what you're talking about. Time is valuable, man. So this new, these new facilities, they would, they would have that first and foremost. Like, how do we lay this entire thing out to where we are maximizing the efficiency of our time? And that's a big deal. And OU's leadership, they went and looked at Texas A&M and what they've did, done, and they, they went and looked at Georgia and what they've done, Clemson, uh, Alabama, Auburn. They've seen some of what are considered the best facilities in college football, 
and they believe that having a new a, a new football operations facility right there next to the stadium which is right there next to Headington Hall they believe having it all right there will create the best experience for a football player in the country just having you talk about the convenience of having it all right there and also just everything being in there creating an atmosphere for for the fan base as well right because some of these you've got these football operations facilities and then the stadium is like a mile away yeah so this creates this creates something special for Oklahoma and man if you thought recruiting was going well now w- wait till they're able to put these designs out there and tell recruits about hey we are going to have the best facility in all of college football i mean that I know people think that, you know, NIL matters uh, maybe more than facilities. Now, I, I facilities and what you've got and the the experience you can create for a player is still at the top of the list, in my opinion. And Brent Venables and his attitude and, and his staff's attitude, like that all goes into that in my mind. Like the way that they're approaching recruiting, you give them this facility, like the absolute best watch out man yeah well you know there is no exact uh percentage as to you know how much does facilities factor in how much does like your tradition uh factor in how much does nil factor in whenever you're talking about recruiting because it's different for every recruit right everyone's going to prioritize something a little bit different but if you have the best of everything, you don't really have to worry about it now, do you? And I think that's what they're striving for. They're they're getting there. They're making movement. They're making progress. I think this is uh, I think this is excellent. This is going to be this is going to be great. And you're right. A lot of times, like right now, I believe Coach Venables, you know, embracing and talking about the move to the SEC has helped recruiting a ton, right? You take away everyone's trump card that they've held against you, right, is that you're in the Big 12. No one gets drafted out of the Big 12 uh, on the defensive side, right? You've you've taken that trump card away whenever you start talking about our move to the SEC. Well, Oklahoma's facilities aren't as, as good as ours. Well, you can take that trump card away as well, right? Whenever you talk about, well, look what we've got going on, look what we've got designed, you're going to be a part of it. You're going to be uh, part of the first group that's able to step into that uh, beautiful new facility. So, I, yeah, everything's looking good. This is this is what OU needs, frankly. Whenever you're, you kind of check out their their facilities, how it is right now, I, I don't even think their their grass practice fields are full hundred yard fields, right? They aren't. One's ninety and one's sixty. Yeah, that's for a, for a team of Oklahoma's stature that's that shouldn't be the case you should have full access to you know everything the best of the best of the best and we're getting there i love it we're not just we're not just remaining stagnant we're we're trying to climb and and get to the best in the country that's what you got to do 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And uh, one way that I think we've done a good job of explaining it is uh, you, you're talking about Oklahoma going out and recruiting kids that they feel fit, you know, fit the the mold they wanted their players in the program, right? But you have to give a five-star defensive tackle or a five-star offensive tackle that lives in Louisiana or Florida or Alabama, Georgia, right? That area of the country. You have to give them those types of guys a reason to leave there and to spend their college, their college years in Norman, Oklahoma. And this having the premier facility in all of college football is a great way to influence those types of players to do that. No doubt about it. That's exactly right. And, and just like not to sit here and echo everything that Venable says, but everything matters. That's why I was so frustrated about the tailgating situation, right? If you're trying to convince a five-star defensive tackle to come here over Alabama or Georgia or all the teams that you listed, everything has to matter. Everything has to be better. Your, your game day atmosphere like this is when this is whenever you're you're showing off what you have. Your game day atmosphere can be second to none. It has to be the best of the best. Like that's the showcase. You're saying this is what it's going to be like whenever you're out there on the field. This is everything. That's why it's got to be the best in the country, and that's why I'm so frustrated with it. But that's it. Facilities, housing, everything has to be the best of the best if you're going to convince guys to leave you know, close to their home and come to Oklahoma, which you're already fighting a bunch of negative stereotypes right out of the gate whenever you're trying to convince people to come to Oklahoma. Uh, I I think 90% of the country thinks that we ride horses to school and, you know, it's, it's the 1930s Dust Bowl here. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. And so if you're one of those people that are like, didn't they just put a ton of money? into upgrading 
the football facilities. Yeah, they did. I'm told that the current Barry Switzer Center could be repurposed into something they're calling the Student Athlete Success Center, which would be part of this project as well. And that would be for all student athletes. So not just football players. And, and that would be somewhere student athletes could utilize as an academic center. We're talking mental health resources, like all of these things would be state-of-the-art resources for all student athletes that you don't necessarily find a lot of places in the country. So I I thought that was very cool. And it, it makes a lot of sense because that is a good building. So if you can just reconfigure it to, to benefit all of your student athletes, I, I think that is also not, clearly the football operations facilities. Like that's what's going to draw the headlines. But I, I think that is super important as well because of all of the success OU has throughout the athletic programs. Well, I don't think there's any any doubt about that. Um, number one, we have to come up with a better name than Student Athlete Success Center. Um, These decisions are not up to us. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, my question is this. Don't you have to... I, the Switzer Center can't be the Student Athlete Success Center. Does the whole new facility get to retain the name the Switzer Center? I I would assume that that is what Barry would want. I'm just <laughs> I I'm not speaking I'm not speaking for the King, but I'm assuming that is uh, that is what he would like. Yeah, that's uh, all of it's going to be really cool though. Yeah, you know to be able to repurpose that that area for you know and it's there's a lot of space there so you know you could have admin there you can have you know whatever the the student athlete success center entails all of that and i'm guessing you would probably still use your current locker room as your game day locker room right you you would assume so kind of the nfl model right yeah where you you've got your you've got your practice locker room and then you've got your game day locker room, yeah. So yeah, because well, they'll, they'll still use that as they're you know coming in and out, and I don't know they, they may add some space for because you know that whole the whole weight room area and maybe that's where you some of the rest of the the athletes on campus start to train now. But I don't know that there, there's all kinds of good things you can do there. Yeah, we're uh we're not architects, so I'm not gonna try to design this personally, <laughs> but I do know one thing. This is this is big for OU football. It's big for OU athletics, and the fact that it is just one part of a massive upgrade OU wants to do throughout when it comes to their athletics facilities, it's it's big time, man. So it is it's gonna be exciting to see how this develops you would hope that this thing is done by the summer in 2025 now is that an ambitious timeline probably but if you want it you you want it to be close to done when you are when you're heading to the sec and that's how you know that's still the timeline right now yeah yeah, I can't. T I can't wait to see what some of the renderings and stuff like that looks like. Uh, you could do a lot of cool things with uh, with that price tag that you threw out there. Up to one hundred and seventy five million. Yeah, and 
one last thing on this. It is cool. They they put a letter out to architectural firms. They sent it out to all the local ones first, which I thought, I don't know. I just, we're, we're all about keeping it local here uh, on the podcast. So I thought that was cool before they, you know, uh, made, made some of these big time national architectural firms that have built some of these facilities around the country aware they, they, they gave the local people a head start. I like it. Yeah, no, that, that's cool. And Hey, when you know there, this is the best way competition, there's going to be people that obviously have experience in this. And I think the, the space that they have for it and where it's all going to sit, it, it's going to be really, really cool. I can't wait. Yeah. All right, let's talk about OU's depth chart that was released. So before before we go, I, I don't want to go position by position because there's a lot of things that, you know, yeah, we, we knew this was coming, but talk to Bill Beatonbow. Uh we we recorded Coach's Corner. We're doing it on Mondays now. And we brought up the depth chart. And like the first thing he said was just because it says that on Monday doesn't mean that's who's starting on Saturday. That's like the first thing he said. And yeah. we've heard, you know, we've heard Ted Roof talk about how this is going to be, you know, performance-based. Uh, Venables has talked plenty about how this is going to constantly be evaluated with the way that these guys perform and practice throughout the week. So just a starting point, right, Ted? Yeah, and – Venable said that exact same thing Monday night at Rudy's at the coaches show, which shout out to everyone for showing up. That was a packed house. That was a really fun atmosphere. That was great. Um, he said, it, not only could it change by Saturday, he expects at least one or two of those names on there to change. So yeah, uh, it it's, it's going to be, Pretty much what you what you hear is what you get from Venables. You know, there's a lot of coach speak going around that, you know, we're going to play the best guy and, you know, there's no position that's locked down. And a lot of that is, well, okay, we know who's it's locked down, right? But I don't think that's the actual case here. You know, a lot of the guys that he's been touting and talking about through the offseason were not starters, which means – like they're still nipping at the heels of some guys and you know, there there's an opportunity that yeah, the depth chart is different by Saturday and a real good chance that it's different by week two. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there, there's no doubt. So I, I think when, when the depth chart gets released, you're always looking for the surprises, right? And I think the number one surprise for people is the fact that, Jaden Davis is listed as a starting corner. And I, I just want to make one thing clear. Brent Venables, the number one thing with Brent Venables is can he trust you or not? He is going to put the guys on the field that he trusts to execute snap in and snap out. And you got to give Jaden Davis his credit. And you know, you and I saw it when we were out at spring ball, Ted. You've seen it when you've been out of training camp. Like the guy is consistent. And he is going to run out there first because of that consistency that he's had throughout the offseason. And he he may not be 
you know, the tallest guy with the longest arms, right? He may not have ideal length that you're looking for at corner, but he understands the scheme. He's been a really good tackler throughout training camp leading up to the season. And he, he brings it every day. He's been healthy as well. So I, I know some people saw that. It was like, how can he be a starter over DJ Graham over, you know, Joshua Eaton, those type of guys that look the way that they do. It's because he's been there every single day doing his damn job. And when a guy does that, you get rewarded. That's right. You said something very important there. You took the words right out of my mouth. Invitable said this on Monday night. He's been a really good tackler. And that is incredibly important and not often talked about when we're talking about corners, right? Most people, whenever they're talking about corner, all they're thinking about is can they cover man-to-man, right? Well, you obviously have to have man-to-man skills, but it's just a a, a piece of what, what you're going to have to do. you got to be able to understand the route concepts. you got to understand the defense adjustments, uh, zone concepts. But tackling is critical, and this is what I love. How does Venables know he's a good tackler? Because they tackle in practice. They tackle all through training camp. They don't just drill it. They drag the offensive player with the football down to the ground like you're going to do in a game. That's different than what we've seen. We haven't seen a whole lot of of, of actual full contact tackling in practice here over the last several years. So you get that out there on game day, and you got a guy that can cover, but guess what? He can't tackle. That's a problem when you're playing defense, right? So give me the guy that's consistent and the guy that can tackle any day of the week. Right. And so if you're wondering, why is Jaden Davis listed as the starter? That's why. And I I think he, he should be celebrated for that instead of people going, what the hell? What's going on? Like Jaden Davis has earned it. He's earned it, and I think Woody Washington and him, it's going to be a good assignment sound combination at corner. Now, there are going to be other corners that play. There's no doubt about it, but those two guys, with their consistency, they've earned the right to run out there first. Okay, I I think one thing that, that also stood out to a lot of people, you know, just talking about surprises, from the depth chart that was released is the fact that Marcus Stripling was not listed as, as a starter. Now Marcus Stripling's going to play a ton of snaps. I mean, he's going to play a ton of snaps, but when, when you look at the edge position, defensive end edge, whatever you want to call it, you have to be a complete player. And Reggie Grimes and Ethan Downs, when you talk about rushing the passer, which is what everyone thinks about with the edge spot, but it's also stopping the run, man. And, and Ethan Downs and Reggie Grimes, they have they've taken some big strides when it comes to holding the point there on the edge against the run game. And you've got to stop the run to play great defense. I mean, you absolutely have to. Now, a stripling, is he going to be out there a lot? And is he going to certainly be out there in obvious passing de- ba- passing situations? Yeah. There's no doubt about it with what he's got now 
when it comes to his tools as a pass rusher. But the two most complete edge players are listed as your starters because that's how this thing works. Yeah. Well, and, and there's other things to think about on the depth chart as well. Like the defensive depth chart is their base depth chart. 4-3. Traditional 4-3. Two ends, a nose and a D tackle, three linebackers, and two safeties, two corners. And they'll they'll actually be in that a lot against UTEP. And you know, we'll we'll talk about some of that a little bit later, but they're going to do way more than just that traditional 4-3 look. And whenever you're not in base, your edge is going to look a little bit different, right? Whenever they're in four wides, Deshaun White probably not going to be playing the Sam Backer spot. You're probably going to have a, a nickel in there, right? A defensive back playing that spot. And, you know, so there's there's some different things to think about there as well, whenever you you start really looking at that depth chart and some of the oars on there and and some different guys on there may may factor in what front they're in, what are they doing on the back end coverage-wise. There's going to be some different players moving around in some different roles. Yeah. A- any other surprises on the depth chart for you? Um, I mean, you not, look at the defensive really. tackle rotation, those six guys, right? Kelly Redmond, Johnson, Coe, Gilliam, Ellison. That's that's what we all expected. Yeah, and that's a good group. They like that group. There's, you I, know, we've we've heard over and over that that Jordan Kelly's been like their most consistent guy day in day out through spring through training camp. Like you know exactly what you're going to get from him every snap. And I I will say as far as the offensive line. You know, the starters listed as expected, but with with how many times Venables has mentioned Tyler Guyton's name, I won't be surprised one bit if he runs out there first on Saturday. Yeah. I Whether it's right tackle, left tackle, most likely would be right tackle in my mind. Won't surprise me one bit if Tyler Guyton's in that first five on that offensive line because – Beatenboat, man, there's a lot of evaluation between Monday and Saturday, right? I've, I've seen it firsthand. I've lived it. Like, he does not care what the depth chart says. If you do not practice well that week or if something comes up, like, he he will have zero hesitation putting Tyler Guyton in the, in the starting lineup with everything we've heard and seen from him this offseason. Yeah, the depth chart is a guideline. It is not. Uh, it is not anything that you. Ha- it's not like you're sending that lineup card to the officials or something, and you have to lo- start with those guys. That is not what's going to happen here. And not only might it change between now and kickoff, th- there's a really good chance it changes between series one, series two, series three. You know, there's going to be some moving parts out there. I'm sure. Yeah, and. Zach Schmidt, the pride of Bishop McGinnis, won the kicking battle, Ted. Let's go. I, all I care is can you put it between the uprights when you're supposed to? That's it. And Dad. I watch it in practice. He's got a really nice leg. And, you know, I haven't seen a whole bunch of him. And obviously that's not a high-pressure situation. But, hey, let's see what you got, kid. Yeah. All right, let's get to call your shot. And we asked you guys what surprised you the most about OU's depth chart. Uh, this one comes from Big C on Twitter. 
He said, I don't want to think too much into the into the or, but a bit surprising to see the free safety spot with either Key Lawrence or Justin Broyles. Key was such a bright spot in last year's defense, and I thought he was easily the starter. So I hope the or is just because Justin is stepping up his game. Well, Broyles also named a captain for the game. Like he he's a guy he cares. Now he's he's a little limited physically, but man, he's he's been around for so long. He's an experienced player. Like he's gonna be on the field, but if Key Lawrence plays up to his full potential, like he's gonna be your guy at that spot. So yeah, I, I think it's more of a compliment to Broyles than a shot at Key Lawrence. Yeah, no doubt. And you know, I think that there's 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 definitely kind of like I was talking about with the front, you know, and and backers. There's going to be some different looks on the back end, I'm sure, you know, to where you may have you may have a, a safety that's moved up to play cheetah, or you may have an extra safety in there, period, if you if you're really in some some long yardage stuff. So there could be some different looks on the back end. I would expect Key Lawrence personally to be your starter. And depending on kind of what you see and what UTEP does the rest of the game, you may see uh Broyles come in some, but I I I fully expect Key Lawrence to be the guy back there whenever they first start. Now, obviously, like we've said, that could change. Yeah, this next one uh, comes from Kurt Crawford, who said, "Marcus Major on special teams as a returner—that is a massive collision in the making." Yeah, uh, there's no doubt about that. And hey, the key on the return game. Hang on to the football. Anytime someone's uh, changing possession and giving you the football, you got to hold on to it. That's the most important thing. And uh, and I think that's going to be the most important factor for him, period, throughout the season. That's the only thing I could see that could possibly derail him from having a really good, productive year is ball security issues. Yeah. All right. Let's get to birthday shout-outs. Happy fifth birthday to JoJo Coleman. Happy 15th birthday to Colson West. Happy 21st birthday to Colin O'Grady. Happy 35th birthday to Rhonda Joe Meehan. Happy 42nd birthday to Juliana Coleman. Juliana Coleman. I think both are acceptable. Happy 48th birthday to Vendor Carter. Happy 70th birthday, the big 7 0 to Tim Welch. Happy 87th birthday to Laureen Roxy Bell Lewis. Happy 10th anniversary to Justin and Kalina Sneed. And happy 10th anniversary to Tyler and Heather Steele. And we've got some late additions, Ted. Happy 21st birthday to Jacob Allen. Happy 48th birthday to Jeremy Rodman. And happy birthday to Robert Conger. All right, let's preview OU UTEP with the voice of UTEP football. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 600 locations in 41 states offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. 
Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. And Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery self-comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. Still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. It's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, Contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Remember, financial aid is available. All right, here he is, the voice of UTEP football, John Teicher. It is our pleasure to be joined by a man who is in his 42nd season as the voice of UTEP football. John Teicher is in the house. John, how we doing? Gabe, I'm doing great. Good to be with you guys. Uh, looking forward to getting down to Norman and uh, and opening the Sooner season. Yeah, we're we're looking forward to hosting you. I, let let's jump right into it. Uh, let let's talk some UTEP offense uh, first and foremost. Gavin Hardison, he's better than I want him to be. John, like the the mobility, uh, the arm strength. I, I I like the risks he takes with the football. Can can you maybe explain to us the the number two jersey with Laufenberg on the back though? Well, that that all has to do with uh, Luke Lock uh, Luke Laufenberg, Babe's uh, Babe's son, one of Babe's sons who uh, was a UTEP tight end, and three years ago tragically died from cancer, and as a tribute to uh, to Luke, who wore number two in his brief time with uh, UTEP, it is awarded to uh, one of UTEP's uh, players or has been awarded to one of UTEP's players each year uh, since Luke passed away three years ago. And this year, uh, Gavin's the guy. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's awesome. That's a, that's a great tribute there. Uh, and Gabe hit on it. You know, he he takes some some calculated risks with the football, but you know, just watching the, the North Texas game, I really love what, what I see from him, especially whenever they push the ball down the field. You'll see a lot of that that hard play action and like some max protect one and two receiver routes. And, you know, they didn't complete all of them. They got some of them, but a lot of those deep balls were on the money. Yeah, including the uh, the one touchdown that they did throw. They got uh, they got uh, in a one-on-one uh, man situation on the uh, score. It was a fourth down play, believe it or not, fourth and one from uh, across the uh, 20-yard line. And uh, and they wound up with a uh, beautiful touchdown on a, on a fade route. So, uh, you know, Gavin's capable of making just about uh, any throw at, uh, at any particular time. Tyron Smith. Uh, number one, uh, it's clear to me he's their number one weapon at wide receiver. Now, there's a couple of 
couple of opportunities I know he wants back, you know, a couple costly drops sure. in the North Texas game. But what, what have you seen from him? Because, it, man, he looks like he's got some serious speed, John. Well, he, I, I think he's the top option right now. A year ago, uh, he came in from the junior college ranks, was actually the number three option, but uh, he and Gavin started to develop some chemistry the second half of last year. So what we saw in the North Texas game actually started developing in the second half of, uh, of 2021. But, uh, you know, he's a little guy. He's 5'7", uh, but uh, outstanding, uh, outstanding speed. Uh, can get behind a, a secondary, and uh, and I think Gavin's probably more comfortable with him than he is with uh, any other uh, receiver currently on the roster. Most of whom are uh, playing for the first time at uh, at UTEP. Yeah, just to maybe back up a little bit for for the listeners, um, can, lay out the the North Texas game a little bit because I feel like everyone's going to be. Uh, you know, saying that I'm talking or we're talking up UTEP too much because I really like what I've seen from them. But whenever you go back, you see that you see the score, what, 31-13. That game was not that that there was not that much of a separation there. Several opportunities missed by UTEP that they're probably not going to miss very often. So just kind of maybe overall impression of that game and how things how that separation happened there. Well, Teddy, you you said it. Opportunity. Uh, North Texas converted on their opportunities. UTEP, uh, unfortunately, did not. Miners possessed the ball uh, eleven times uh, in that game, and only once did they not end a drive either at midfield or in North Texas territory in that game. The Miners were in the red zone three times and wound up with two field goals. So when you talk about one touchdown and two field goals total. And uh, 10 opportunities uh, on the, the opponent's side of, uh, of midfield, obviously, there were plenty of missed opportunities. So UTEP moved the football, had its chances, uh, didn't score, but uh, 13 points. And as a result, uh, uh, a first game loser to, uh, to North Texas in a conference game. And one of those was a uh, fourth and goal from the one yard line, and they snapped the ball you know, next to the center's head. and. Obviously, he almost it, the Hardison almost converts that. Still finds the football, scrambles out, and still makes a play, a competitive play where it at least gave him a chance. But you know that's the type of opportunities that they missed. Yeah, UTEP's first two possessions, they miss a field goal on their opening drive. Second drive is what you were talking about, uh, Teddy. They get uh, they have a first and goal at the ten, fourth and goal at the one, and a bad uh, center snap. And, uh, and as a result, uh, no points on two possessions. The first two possessions could have easily been uh, 13-0, 14-0. And, uh, and then they scored on their next possession. So it very easily could have been uh, 17, 21 to nothing right away. And the entire complexion of that game changes. So lo- looking at the offensive line, clearly uh, Dana Dimmel, uh, a lot of experience, right, being an O-line guy. And you, you look at Jeremiah Byers at the right tackle position, big dude at 6'4", 330. Uh, Elijah Klein there at right guard, all-conference caliber player. How surprised were you that they struggled the way that they did to get movement and to get the run game going against North Texas? Well, you know, as, as optimistic as we are about those guys, uh, Gabe, last year the Miners – 
struggled a bit. Averaged less than four yards a carry on the season. So they, they, they struggled to run the ball consistently. Um, even a year ago, it, it's funny because the Miners in 2021 were one of the best teams in all of FBS converting on fourth down, and yet were one of the poorest teams in FBS converting on third down. So it's, it's something that goes back a year and obviously something that the coaching staff would like to, to fix. At times, uh, they run the football uh, very effectively, but they just haven't been terribly consistent in doing so. And, and, and uh, the North Texas opener was kind of a carryover from what we saw a year ago. Yeah, you know, I was listening to Coach Venables uh, talk about the staff and obviously has a history with, with Dana Dimmel and has a lot of respect for, for what he does. And you can kind of see Kansas State in what they do, in, in kind of their philosophy. It's physical, hard-nosed football, uh, a lot of two tights or fullback in there, uh, some split zone stuff, like preaching physicality. And that's not easy to instill as a program, especially when you've got some recruiting, um, you know, hardships and stuff like it's, it's hard to get those, those topic guys in, but over his, his tenure there have, it feels like the last couple of years, they've really started to meet those goals. Teddy, I think the biggest improvement that UTEP has made since Dana arrived here five years ago is on the line of scrimmage, both offensively and defensively. I, I think you look at the kids that UTEP has, it's uh, it's a much better looking uh, young man um, uh, on, on both sides of the, uh, the, the football, particularly on the, the line of scrimmage. But I don't think there's any question that Miners have made more improvement offensively and defensively up front since Dana got here than uh, in any other spot. Looking at the defensive side of things, John, a really experienced front seven. Uh, the Miners have uh, a lot of guys that played a lot of football, but how did you feel they held up at the point of attack against North Texas? Uh, again, a little bit inconsistent. You know, it, it, it wasn't a complete uh, bust, but uh, certainly North Texas uh, had some bursts. Um, I, I thought that uh, Main Green did a good job with their uh, run-pass option offense, uh, keeping the Miners a bit on their heels. Uh, you know, you talk about that front seven, but in the back five, uh, the Miners have three new starters, including two corners, who the other night were playing their very first game at the FBS level. So a uh, little inconsistency there. I, I think UTEP's going to be okay uh, defensively. Again, uh, if there's one area that I could point to, where the miners have made more improvement over the last two, three years, I would say it would be on their defensive front and, and by and large have done a much better job holding up against the opponent's uh, running game than was the case when Dana first arrived at, uh, at UTEP. And those two guys in the middle, Keenan Stewart and Kelton Moss, uh, both transfer players who are now in their third year at UTEP have just made a tremendous tremendous difference in occupying uh, blockers and allowing the uh, linebackers and safeties to flow and make plays. You think that's going to be uh, the most critical part uh, of the football game for, for UTEP is that defensive line against Oklahoma's offensive line 
and I'm, I'm sure you you've studied a little bit of of Lebby's offense and kind of how he goes about things excellent uh running the football like that's probably got to be challenge number one right there yeah I don't think there's any question about it and generally speaking I think uh for UTEP it, it, it's its biggest concern uh, overall would have to be uh, the Sooners uh, team speed and, and UTEP's ability to contend and deal with that uh, team speed but certainly it, it, Teddy it's right you're right it's it it absolutely starts up front on on defense now I not uh not to disparage the young man or anything but it was clear that North Texas tried to pick on Jerome Wilson there at inside backer uh, to me as I as I watched the game no. well, is there any update on Breon Hayward that's a weird situation right still trying to seek eligibility to get him on the field like what what's the latest on that well actually it's in uh, it's in Breon's court because uh, the NC2A turned down uh, UTEP's uh, petition to grant uh, Hayward an extra year of eligibility this summer so now as I understand it Breon has hired an attorney and he and his attorney are going at the NC2A. So if it's going to happen, it, it's going to have to be a Breon uh, Hayward-inspired and, and led uh, effort. In fairness to Jerome Wilson Jr., this is a young man that the UTEP coaches love, but he missed all of last season with a knee injury. So this was his first game in uh, in well over a year, and uh, – I think we've got to give uh, we've got to give him a little slack at this point. Is it, so you expect him like it's going to be his it's going to be his job here for the at least at least near future and maybe extended future. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, what What do you think? Most critical thing for UTEP in this football game. Um, now we talked about the defensive line matchup, but just kind of like generally speaking about the football game in order to win it, uh, at least have it close down the stretch where you've got an opportunity to win it late. What do you think are some of the most critical things? Well, certainly you can't turn it over. You can't do that. You can't, you can't play into the Sooners hands in that, in that regard. And I, you know, Teddy, I think they've got to have some success offensively in, in, in moving the football, moving the chains, hopefully the ability to, to, to run the football, which is certainly going to be challenging, but just taking what the Sooners defense can give you, you, you know, will give you. You, you talked about the, 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 uh, the propensity of the minors to want to go down the field in the passing game. I'm not sure that that's a philosophy that in this one, uh, can be employed with any degree of uh, consistent uh, success. Uh, they're going to have to possess the football a little bit, uh, pick up as many first downs as they can, keep that Sooners offense off the field, and uh, and hope maybe they can score some points. That's the way I see it. Well, John, we, we look forward to seeing you. And Norman, man, uh, don't be a stranger there in the booth. <laughs> well, it's, it's always fun. This will be, uh, what, the fourth time I've done a game at uh, – at Memorial Stadium over the years, and it's uh, it's always fun in that environment. And certainly, I look forward to it uh, again uh, this weekend, guys. And we'll uh, we'll seek you out, and you certainly will know where to find me. So uh, let's make sure to get together on Saturday. All right, John. Thanks for the time, man. All right, guys. Thanks. Forty-two seasons, man. Crazy. 
That's crazy. That is that is witnessing and calling a lot of football. Yeah, and one thing I want to add to kind of the preview of, of the game, the whole thing for OU, the whole thing for Venables has been preaching physicality, right? Well, UTEP, they're offensively, they're going to get in those big personnel sets. You're going to see, you know, 21 personnel, 12 personnel. I saw some 22 yep. personnel against North Texas. And they're going to try to run the football at Oklahoma's defense. And I, I cannot wait. And I know I'm not trying to make UTEP's offensive line out to be, you know, world beaters. They're not. They're not. They're average. I want to see that defensive front for Oklahoma knock back UTEP's offensive line. I want to see him play with knockback, shock dudes in their damn chest, and then remove them from their person. That's what I want to see. Now, of course, you got to play gap sound football. You got to execute what you're supposed to execute. But that is my number one thing I want to see in this game. I want to see this new physicality that has been instilled in Norman. And I want to see it on both sides of the line of scrimmage. I want to see OU's offensive line maul the hell out of that defensive line. Like the, the Amehule kid, the edge player for them. Like he's a good looking guy that they need to blow him off the ball. I, I want to see this team get after UTEP, UTEP's ass at the line of scrimmage. That's the number one thing I want to see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I think that is, not not just important in this game, but that's what we want to see moving forward, right? This is just this is an important uh, a view or a I, I guess a test to see where are we at in in that goal of being a dominant team on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, and it's a good test to start off with. It ain't Georgia, right? I'm not saying that. But this, for a non-conference opponent, it's good to, to your first game to take on a team that hangs their hat on being tough and physical at the line of scrimmage. Let's see how we match up. Yeah. All right. Since the season is back, it means previews for the other big games around the country are yeah. back, Ted. You ready, baby? Let's do it. But first. It's time to get back out on the golf course, people. And there's nothing better to drink on the course than the number one seltzer in golf. We got to be drinking seltzers. seltzers at the tailgate, people. Come <laughs> That's on. Right. Gloomy Seltzers is an Oklahoma company that is already winning national awards because their product is delicious. It tastes exactly like a club special, but it's a seltzer. They're not just for the golf course either. They're perfect to drink by the pool after mowing the lawn. And yes, at Oklahoma tailgate. If you haven't tried Gloomy Seltzers yet, go grab some. You won't regret it. The variety pack is out. They've got some new flavors. They've got a new can. To find a place new that has clubbies, visit clubbyseltzers.com. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. 
If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total costs of risk. I'm an Insurica client and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Are you looking to buy or sell a house in the OKC metro area? Use the Ronaldo Cloud Group, Stacia Ronaldo and Maddie Cloud or with Sage Sotheby's International Realty. They believe in prompt communication, an honest relationship, and luxury service, and that's exactly what they gave Gabe. They sold a house for Gabe. They found a house for Gabe's brother. They also found a house for Lane Johnson. We can't recommend them enough. You can reach them by calling or texting Stacia at 918-671-6450, or you can contact them on Instagram at, at soldbystacia and at soldbymaddie underscore. College football roundup, game previews. Let's start with number 11, Oregon, versus number three, Georgia. The Bulldogs are a 17-point favorite there in Atlanta. And I just – I can't I can't wait to watch Bo Nix do Bo Nix things. And like the, the absolute ultimate wild card in college football, and, and clearly the game being played in Atlanta – is a big advantage for Georgia. But I am similar to, you know, the effect Venables has had at OU. I'm interested to see what type of effect Dan Lanning has had on the way Oregon plays and battles at the line of scrimmage. And I know Mario Cristobal was, he was a tough dude. I understand that. But I'm interested to see if it's ramped up a little bit under Lanning and they've got talent. Oregon has talent along the offensive line and defensive line. Like they've got more talent than a lot of SEC teams along the line of scrimmage. So when I look at the game, it's kind of like, okay, what is Stetson Bennett going to be at quarterback? Like, is he, he played efficient football last year, despite what some people want to think, but can, can Oregon hold up against, Georgia's rushing attack because that's kind of what gives Stetson Bennett his biggest advantage is that they ran the ball so well last year. I, I don't know, man, because no one knows Todd Munkin's offense and how to slow it down better than Dan Lanning, right? He was just with the guy for a couple of years there at Georgia. So I I expect this game to be more competitive than people think. I, I clearly, I like Georgia to win the game. I like Oregon to cover that 17. I'm just not sure if Oregon can hold up for, you know, hold up to the assault for four straight quarters. But I I am interested in this game. I I think you're exactly right. And you you took the the words right out of my mouth there whenever you're talking about landing um going against Todd Monken's offense. There, there's there's no one else that has seen as many snaps against this offense as Dan Lanning. There's no one else out there. Uh, he'll understand exactly what he likes to do and how he's going to try and attack them. And, you know, you would say, well, Georgia will understand Lanning as well because, you know, they were battling in those same practices. Not necessarily. You know, Lanning was de- – he was the defensive coordinator there, but Kirby Smart had his thumb on it, right? He he – it was his defense, his style, what he wanted to do. And I'm sure there's going to be some things that Dan Lanning wants to do differently. 
maybe not wholesale differently, but at least some tweaks to that. So I do think it's interesting, and you're right. The talent level at Oregon is way better than I think what a lot of people expect. Um, I Here's the question, though. Can Bo Nix get it done? Can he be efficient? Can he take care of the football? Here's what Georgia's going to do. They're going to put you in third and long, right? They're going to they're going to make it really difficult to run it. Um, they're they're going to put you in some predictable spots. So, Bo Nix is going to have to make some big time throws on some third and eights, third and tens uh, against pass defense to really you know thread the needle, put some some really tough competitive throws in there to have a chance. If he can't do that, or he's loose with the ball and turns it over. They, they don't have a shot, but, you know, I hate to say that it's on Bo Nix to, to win the game, but that's, that's where you're going to be able to tell if he can go out there and put something special together, look really good, sharp, efficient, then they'll have a chance. And, and I like the offensive coordinator uh, out there at, at Oregon. He's done some really good things. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it too. I, I think Georgia wins it, but I, I do feel like there could be a bit of a championship hangover with Georgia. It's just natural. Right. And the one thing I know about that game is you're going to be salivating when, when it comes to watching Oregon's backers, arguably the best combo, right? With Flo and Sewell in the country at inside backers. So you're just going to be going, yes. Yeah. I feel like Sewell's been there for four or five years now. And this is, is he just going to be a, is he just a, was he a freshman last year? Yeah. Oh my God. He's, he's a stud, big, thick, physical, uh, and flow can absolutely fly all over the field. Really athletic. Yeah. They've got some dudes. Yeah. All right. Next game. Number seven, Utah heads to the swap for 7 PM Eastern kickoff and Utah's favorite, a three point favorite. And I think this is going to be an awesome game. Utah probably, probably the more developed team at the line of scrimmage, right? I don't want to say they're tougher, but that, that's probably the best way to say it. Uh, Florida, e- even though it hasn't been up to, you know, the Florida standard lately, they're going to be the more athletic team. Uh, I'm convinced. Now, I think Cam Rising, Tavion Thomas, that Utah offense, they're, they're going to be able to put some points up against Florida's defense. But the number one reason I'm excited about this game is Anthony Richardson. I I cannot wait to watch this freak freak show play. Uh, you talk about having all the measurables at the quarterback position. I, I think I think Napier is going to dial some stuff up for him in the run game. I think he's going to dial some stuff up to get him some easy completions early to build his confidence as far as running the football for Florida. Attacking the interior of Utah's defense is not the way to go. I would attack the edges. So you're going to see some, some wide zone, some pimple stuff on the edges of that Utah defense. But if Richardson plays well, I think Florida wins the game because I think that's going to be a really tough atmosphere for Utah. And full disclosure, man, my boy Ty Darlington's down there on Napier's staff. Now, I just want Ty to be happy. <laughs> so I want Florida to win the game. I, I know a lot of people think Utah are the better team. Clearly Vegas, you you look at the line, but 
Ted, I kind of like Florida in this one. Maybe it's my SEC bias showing. <laughs> um, how about this? If this game was played in week five or week six, I think I would like Florida. That's but fair. since it's being played in week one, I think I like Utah. Utah is a seasoned, experienced football team, and it is going to be a big environment. But they've played in, in big environment football games. Uh, they're hard-nosed. They're disciplined. They take care of the football. They, they make the plays that they're supposed to. They tackle well. Damn it, uh, you've convinced me. <laughs> Give me Utah. I, Damn I just, you, layman. I think Utah is – I just think they'll be more prepared at this point in the season. Florida is one of the teams uh, – I put, I put Florida in there. I put Oklahoma in there. There's a handful of teams, and, and maybe Oregon is one too. I think there's some teams in the country that are going to be way better in November than what you see right out of the gate. Uh, Florida is going to be a problem for some teams uh, as this year unfolds, but early on, I think Utah gets the win. Yeah. And I think that that Utah defense, that Utah secondary, they got some guys, man. Yep. They got some guys that are going to be, you know, high round picks in the NFL draft. So I, I just think the swamp at night to start the season, like that's not going to be easy, but I think you've convinced me. I, well, here's the thing. I first start huge atmosphere, tough opponent. There'll be a tendency to maybe do some things more than what you need to do. And that is, that plays directly into Utah's hands. No, I'm with you. I, I think you've convinced me. But once again, just want Darlington to hey, be happy. I said, uh, I said Nebraska was going to absolutely destroy Northwestern. So what do I know? Yeah, and I'm I'm doing that that new uh, TV show for Bet Online. I took Northwestern. I didn't tell you about it. I was like, yeah, give me the Wildcats. <laughs> I just I was like, I'm gonna let my my man Teddy cook, but I'm gonna go uh... ahead and take the Wildcats. <laughs> okay, uh, last game I want to talk about number five Notre Dame. At number two, Ohio State, the Buckeyes are a 17-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. Marcus Freeman heading back to the old alma mater as a big dog. And when, when you think about how this game needs to play out for Notre Dame, it is paramount that Tyler Buckner and that Notre Dame offense get off to a quick start. We'll see what the new defense at Ohio State under Jim Knowles looks like, but they they need to they need to make Ohio State feel that pressure, and then they need to take the air out of the ball a little bit. They need to possess the football. We know Notre Dame's offensive line is going to be very good. They always are. I the the Ohio State defensive front has been disappointing for the last couple of years. So if Notre Dame's offensive line can get after those guys a little bit, I think this game can be way more interesting than what some people think. And you, you, if you're Notre Dame, you just, you got to keep CJ Stroud and that just ridiculous wide receiver core for Ohio state on the sidelines. You have to, uh, and I've got some questions about Ohio state's offensive line. I, I do. and. Notre Dame, I expect them to have a really good plan defensively 
with Marcus Freeman leading leading the charge there now. So we'll see, man. But I know Ohio State has all the talent in the world on that offense. Travion Henderson is just a freak show at running back. But I really think Notre Dame can make this one a little more competitive than people think. I hope so. Ooh, that that sounded like you have doubts. Here's my only thing. I, there's no doubt that I think Marcus Freeman's going to have a really good game plan defensively. Um, I think it comes down to how much has Knowles affected that Ohio State defense? How much better are they? But it's hard for me in a game like this. In my mind, there is such a huge discrepancy at the quarterback position between Ohio State and Notre Dame, how is it possible to make up that ground? And like, I think you're hitting on the right thing. Take the air out of the ball. If they can dominate the line of scrimmage and run it well, run it effectively, move the chains, don't turn it over, hit on a couple of third downs, put together 12 and 14 play drives, but you absolutely have to punch the ball into the zone. Like you can't, you can't end up with field goals because you may get some stops against Ohio State. But if you look at their offense from a year ago and C.J. Stroud, they're not going to turn it over and they're going to score points. I, I, I think you're going to like Notre Dame. I expect to hold Ohio State well below their season average of points. But can you match that on the other end? And can your quarterback? make the plays that he's going to need to make because you're make you're trying to you're trying to cover a lot of ground there between those two positions and it's the most important position on the field yeah and when it comes to that aggressive mentality for Notre Dame I'm interested to see because Marcus Freeman's going to have some tough choices to make during this game right fourth down decisions and what's he going to do right Uh, I mean here's what happens you're right there's going to be some opportunities like that. And the problem for Notre Dame is you miss a fourth down conversion. You, you turn the football over and there's, there's a separation. You're down 14, you're down 17. Now you have to come out of that, that game plan, that mindset of just chunking it down the field, like inching it down the field. You got to start trying to make plays. And that's where I worry about Notre Dame getting into trouble is whenever they have to start to try to get aggressive offensively. Yeah. I'll take Ohio State to win. Notre Dame covers. Let's do it. 17 and a half. That's a big number, man. It's a big, that's a huge number. I'll I'll take, I'll take Notre Dame to cover that. I'll take them to cover that. You just, you worry late. Whenever you get really aggressive trying to make something happen that you don't put yourself in a really bad spot. Yeah. Notre Dame fans, which I'm sure tons of Notre Dame fans listen to this podcast. They've got to be very concerned that we are both back in the Irish. Oh boy. I I know one Notre Dame fan that listens, my mom. Okay. And (laughs) she'll be pulling for Notre Dame no matter what. All right. Let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. 
Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. you got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate. And you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. Remember, in 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the best-in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners, yeah, they're from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Now, this is an interesting one. Uh, I've got Mark Stoops as my winner. Now, here's the deal. Uh, I found out yesterday Coach Stoops was on the show. Uh, we were asking him what all OU games he's he's going to go to, and he said he plans to make all of them except um, in week two, if they get a win in week one, Mark Stoops has a chance to become Kentucky's all-time winningest coach. And uh, Coach Stoops is, is going to uh, go to that game if, if that happens in week two, and it'll happen at some point this season, I'm sure of it. Um, week two, they happened to play Youngstown State. It all goes back to Youngstown for the Stoops boys, always, no matter what. Um, now, here's my question to you. Do you know who currently is the all-time leading or all-time winningest coach for Kentucky? Kentucky football? Kentucky football. Uh, no. I, I, it, this is going to be, this is going to be an obvious answer. It's like a big coach that one went somewhere else afterwards. Yes. Give me a hint. Um, it's got to be old. I mean, it's got to be back in the day because until Mark yeah, got there. he Okay, he left the program in 1953. Bear Bryant? Yes. Bear Bryant. Wow, what a fun fact. Yes, I and Coach Stoops, like uh, Tyler on the show, said, hey, trivia, Teddy, do you know who the all-time winningest coach at Kentucky was? I said, hell, mummy. I had no idea who it was. Um, yeah, Bear Bryant is the all-time winningest coach. Here's what – there's a couple of interesting notes here. He left Kentucky because he said they're always going to be a basketball school, and he had a, he had a uh, falling out with Rupp, who was the basketball coach. Yeah, and who and, their basketball arena is named after. Yeah, uh, had a falling out with the basketball coach and left after going 10 and one with 10 and one and 53 
and left. So in 1950, they were 11 and one. And, you know, some, uh, some of the organizations have them with a national championship and we won it that year too. So the split title with Kentucky in 1950 with, uh, with Bear Bryant, which is interesting. Uh, but I thought the fallout with the basketball coach Rupp was uh, awesome considering the, uh, the stuff going on with, with Calipari here recently. Now, here's another interesting thing about Bear Bryant, which uh, <laughs> so he coached 425 games in college. He was 323, 85, and 17. And I, I looked it up and I went, I was just like curious about his whole record. He had one losing season his entire coaching career it was at texas a&m <laughs> i i bet that brought you unimaginable joy i was laughing my ass off his first year at texas a&m they were one and nine oh, so funny that is that's good what that what an educational winner of the week how about that people i uh, know i just thought i had to get that out there because i was I, I think it's so cool that um, that he's got a chance to be Kentucky's winningest coach. I mean, that's, I know it's Kentucky, but Hey, when you're passing bear Bryant on a list as winning as coach somewhere, that's a pretty big deal there. There's no doubt. Yeah, that is, that is a big deal. I will say this. I, I'm looking at Kentucky's schedule right now. Uh, week two is not Youngstown state. Oh, it's that's, not. Okay. That's week three. Guess who they have week two. Florida. That's what I was thinking. Florida. Yes. Okay. So maybe that's why coach is going uh, maybe to the Youngstown game. I don't know, but I still like them against Florida too. Yeah. They're going to be mean, good. They've been, they've been a better yeah. program than Florida. So. Experienced coach or experienced quarterback going to be really good on defense. So yeah, but that'll be enough. That's a, that'll be a great game. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? I went with Florida A&M. Now we saw this deal in week one that they had 26 guys out because of being ineligible. Well, it turns out that Florida A&M, the players were really, really close to not even playing that game. They were going to refuse to play in that game. And whenever you, um, you, you see what's come out, they put a letter together. They're going after the, um, they're going after the university couple of guys have, have only decided barely to stay there. They were going to leave. Uh, it's crazy. The university didn't have the proper compliance. Like all these guys took the classes that they were told to take past the classes they were told to take and still became ineligible because uh, the university doesn't have the right people in compliance and haven't put the right money into some of these different departments. And they're about to have a mutiny on their hands there with their football team. They decided to go ahead and play reluctantly, but they're not playing for Florida A&M. They say they're playing for their teammates, their families. They're not taking part in any of the school stuff. They're taking a knee during the school songs. Um, got a beef going on there between the players and the, uh, and the administration. Yeah. And I will say they, they represented themselves well against North Carolina. Right. Yeah, without their two best players yeah, who and, were ineligible. And because that, of this stuff. 
like a guy like Isaiah Land. Remember, I think he was FCS Defensive Player of the Year last year. Yeah, he had like, I think he had 19 sacks or something crazy. He he clearly he's got what it takes to play in the NFL. I can't imagine how pissed off he is to miss the opportunity to get stuff on film against a team like North Carolina. Yeah. He's got a like, lawyer. He's trying to get the appeal. And I, the thing I read said it was, they were hinting at maybe suing the university. Yeah. I, if I was Isaiah land, I would, I'd be like, Hey man, that was a huge opportunity for me to show what I could like, how much money did you just cost me? Like, how did you just affect my draft position by not, by, by messing by you guys advising me improperly and making me ineligible. And, and here's a guy that thought he was in the transfer portal and ended up staying and had 30 offers. Uh, I think Georgia, LSU, A&M, like some big time offers from teams for him to come in and play and decided yeah. to stay. And um, it's pretty upsetting that, and I, I, maybe the NCAA doesn't know all of the, like how the whole thing unfolded, but uh, if, if it is what I'm reading, it is, uh, he should be able to play. You don't want to punish the player for something like this. Right. Yeah. I, I think that, and clearly Florida a they need more resources, right? They need more people to help their student athletes, but yeah, suspending the kids when, when they, they just did what they were advised to do. That's that's not right. Right. Maybe there's more to it, but from everything I've read, there's not more to it. Right. I guess we'll see. And hopefully you you feel like the way the NCAA like have been kind of in ass saving mode recently. You feel like something like this, if it's getting a lot of attention, they may re- make the right decision. But maybe I'm giving them too much credit. Right. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, for my winner of the week, I thought about I thought about going with USC because it just it takes such I don't even know the word for it just such arrogance to put out your team's hype video for the season and to have like the main focus of it be two players that played at Oklahoma I it just it was almost it was almost too good to be true where we're just looking I I thought it was a parody video at start so like I made 
I made sure it was from USC football's official Twitter. And I was like, oh my God. There's a lot of parody accounts out there. I was like, oh USC my God. They really made Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield the the focal point of like the first 30 seconds of their hype video for their season. I couldn't believe it, Ted. It was uh, it was truly unbelievable. It is like I don't know if that's a Lincoln Riley. If that was a Lincoln Riley decision, which it, it, he has to sign off on everything, that is that is a terrible move, and maybe the worst move he's made since he's been there. Well, I don't. I don't. It's just USC has a list of former players that it may be second to none. It, their list of guys is incredible, the amount of players that have come through that place. And to have guys – and I know they had them in their, their NFL uniforms, but we're this is college football. Everyone knows where those guys played. I, I just don't understand it. I can't imagine any other Blue Blood program ever doing anything close to that. It'd be like – Obviously, Venables putting some defensive players from Clemson in the OU hype video. There's no way that that would ever occur. No. It, hey, and I know that there, there's going to be this USC and OU thing for a long, long time. I understand that. But USC, just focus on you guys. You've got a rich tradition. Focus on that. Don't try to use Baker and Kyler. They're OU guys. They're never going to be USC guys. They're not going to show up to the USC. Get like, stop it. I, I still can't believe they did that. Unbelievable. I know. It's here's the thing too. Do you think anyone saw that video and said, "Oh, I didn't know Lincoln Riley coached Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray." Did you know they both went number one overall? Yeah. Everyone already knows that. (laughs) That's why you're there. And if you're you're a USC fan, do you like see that? You're like, yes. I love the fact that they're featuring OU guys to start our hype video. Like it's so, it's so odd to me. I know. Okay. I also thought about going uh, with live golf as my winner of the week, even though it seems like the PGA tour is fighting back, right. With some of the changes they've made. Losing Cam Smith is. I mean, it sucks, right? Number two player in the world um, must have made him a hell of an offer. And I saw an interview with him in Golf Digest. Basically said, hey, the money was clearly a big factor, but being able to spend some some more time in Australia was very appealing to him. But this is a bummer, man. I like Cam Smith. The look, the, the, the mustache, like everything about it. He seems like a cool dude. I didn't want him to leave. Well, uh, it's hard to convince anyone not to leave for more money and more time off, right? Uh, that's, right. that's hard to compete with. I know. Uh, so, well, uh, Harold Varner also went. Um, yeah, and he, I, I respect Harold he Varner for saying, hey, hey, it's about the money. I, I respect him for just saying it out, you know, making it very clear. Yep, yep. But still a bummer. I'm gonna miss. I'm gonna miss Cam Smith on the PGA. Well, you tour. can watch him on the Live Golf Tour. Yeah, uh, uh. it's not as easy. I PGA is on like Sunday afternoon. You know it's on. It's easy to flip the TV on, and there it is. I 
I, if something is streaming, I better really want to watch it, you know? Right. All right. But my winner of the week, I'm going Brett Yormark in the big 12. Yeah. Because according to Pete Thamel, uh, Fox and ESPN have agreed to engage in discussions with the big 12 about the league's next television contract. Remember, uh, George Klyavkov, the Pac-12 commissioner, he, he's been talking a big game, and he has openly talked about the advantage the Pac-12 has because they are they're next to market when it comes to the TV deal. Well, not so fast, Georgie boy, because your mark in Big 12 making making necessary moves, and this allows the Big 12 to actually get some numbers not only for their current members, but for, for institutions, they could be looking to add to the conference. So now they will have some real concrete numbers from the television networks. They'll understand their value. They'll understand the value that other places could bring to the conference. Like it's just, it's, it's good information for the big 12 to have. And I'm not sure it kneecaps the PAC 12, the way that some people think it does. But I know this, it's certainly not a negative for the Big 12, right? That the fact that Fox and ESPN said, yeah, let, let's talk. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, I think it feels like there's too much uncertainty right now with the Pac-12 with, you know, some of those engagements, uh, you know, between Oregon and uh, in the Big Ten. I, it's hard to put a TV contract together whenever you've got something like that going on and you feel like the Big 12, as of right now at least, feels like they're pretty set. Like maybe they could add if, if something goes down with the Pac-12, but like their current situation is good. The Pac-12s may not be. So, yeah, it, 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 it's not very difficult to figure out why the Big 12 is, is maybe the first to be engaged by Fox and ESPN. You know, I, I think it's interesting, though, whenever you you kind of – like just talking about USC since this whole Lincoln Riley move to USC, it's been like celebrated by ESPN, like no other, right? Because everyone is pushing for that West coast. Well, uh, and, and they've got, they've got that big ESPN studio out there in LA. Right. And they're just, they're, they want that big chunk of viewership out there. Well, with USC going to the Big Ten, and they're totally cut out of that pie, I'm interested to see if USC loses the ESPN cheerleader that they've had the last eight months. That is interesting. And, uh, you know, this this whole thing, it feels like it's become Pac-12 versus Big 12. Right? But it's it's probably really more a Fox versus ESPN. Yeah. And – like you mentioned, ESPN didn't get a piece of those Big Ten rights, so I'm interested to see you know what type of moves they're going to make uh, regarding the Big Twelve, and, and then being able to enter in these very early negotiations. When you look at how this traditionally has gone from a timeline perspective, but just from what I could gather from reading a couple different r- reports, it seems like the most likely thing for the Big Twelve is some type of short-term extension uh, that they could agree to uh, that would kick in once uh, once this current deal is up in 2025, which clearly leads to the most important question. 
what does that all mean for OU in Texas going to the SEC? So I, I don't know. There a lot has to happen, but I, I thought it was funny because the the Pac-12 is <laughs> they've been oh yep we're up next suck it nerds and now because like ah no we're we're gonna talk to him too we're gonna get a realistic picture of what's going on so well I'll, I'll tell you what I think what it means for OU in Texas I think they'll be in the SEC next year um I'm at I'm at ninety percent that they'll be in the SEC next year um and you know the other thing is the I like everyone talks about how good Oklahoma state is depends on Mike Gundy's mood and like how happy he's been and how jovial and how he interacts with the media. Well, he must have a really good team this year. I I think that's true, but I think the biggest part of it is OU is gone and the big 12 is about to get a TV deal that a lot of people think, they're going to make significantly more money than they make right now. So you put a TV deal together like that where they're getting more money and his biggest rival, in-state rival that, you know, he's had the this really stood between Oklahoma State really getting over the hump. Of course he's thrilled, man. Life is, this is the best it's ever been for Oklahoma State. Yeah. I Gundy's in a good mood. There's nothing wrong with that. 55 million a year is one of the numbers that I heard someone throwing out about the, the next big 12 deal. We'll see. Yeah. But the negotiations are, are underway. So can you imagine, like, I don't know if they would get a full share right out of the gate, but can you imagine what that means for like a UCF, uh, Cincinnati, Houston, these teams to get that amount of of money. Yeah. BYU, who's been living that independent life, game changer. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how it all works out. And that's, I promise, we'll talk about games from now on. That's the last (laughs) time we're gonna be talking TV rights for a while. All right, for my loser of the week, I thought about going with Iowa fans, man, because Kurt Ferentz named Spencer Petras their starting quarterback. And if you're an Iowa fan, you kind of just have to be going, can can we not just have a good quarterback? Like, and I know they won the Big Ten West last year, but Petrus, he was 10 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Ted, like, can they not bring a transfer in that's better than that? I, I just don't understand it. It's got to be very frustrating for Iowa fans. I got to tell you, I'm just reading that and thinking about it. Ferentz has been there since 99. Can you think like who's the best quarterback that they've had? Am I missing someone? Is there someone obvious? No. How does that happen? Like you should like fall into a study and they've had some really good teams throughout the years to not have like a game changing talent at quarterback that entire tenure. Like that's, it's beyond the point of bad luck. It's bad recruiting and bad maneuvering and like not being active in the transfer portal. Like there's some, there's plenty of good things to offer at Iowa. You Iowa state has, they've had, they've had 
a couple at least throughout that time. Yeah, Pur- Purdy made the Niners. But it, what, C.J. Beathard? C.J. Beathard? Uh, I should probably just Google it. Nathan Stanley? Was that right? A couple years back? I, dude, they haven't had good quarterback play. That's wild. I, I know. All right, but my loser of the week, Trey Lance. What, a, what an awkward situation. I don't care what the 49ers say. What an awkward situation for Trey Lance. So the 49ers restructured Jimmy Garoppolo's contract in order to keep him in San Francisco to be Trey Lance's backup. So Jimmy G is guaranteed, uh, you know, between six and a half and seven million. There, there are incentives in there that could get him up to 16 million. And if they want to trade him, he has to approve the team that they're trying to trade him to. And I guess if you're the 49ers, you're thrilled, right? You've got, you've now got the best, best backup quarterback in all of football. But if you're Trey Lance, this has to be a little awkward, man. You're, you're, the, you're supposed to be the guy. But now, you know, if you play poorly, the fans are going to turn on you quickly and they're going to want to see Jimmy G out there. I just think it creates a really weird situation there in San Francisco. It does. It is. Um, we 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 love you. We think you're going to be great, but we need an insurance policy. It's so. It, it is. It, what do you think they say? Like, hey, you could get hurt. You could get hurt. Uh, I, what do they say? Because, and, and the thing that kind of sets some alarms off for me is Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan has mentioned publicly. He wishes he could get Trey Lance some more time, like some more work before they start playing games that matter. That's not exactly a ringing endorsement from your head coach and your play caller. No, I, you feel like you would like, if you, if you truly feel like this is the guy you're going to offload that massive contract and surround him with some weapons or offensive line, or like, Hey, this is our guy. We're starting a championship window. Let's offload this deal and that's here. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We we've got what happened here? Unplug the headset. Oh, the YouTube people are gonna love this. What how'd that happen? Did you step on it? Oh no, still not working. Yeah, I stepped on it and there we go. I stepped on it and pulled unplugged my uh my headphones. Sorry about that. I'm leaving that in, by the way. That's too good. The, just the look on your face. It was like panic, oh. anger, and embarrassment all in one. Yeah, that is. Um, that's hey, it, it's just going to go that way sometimes, you know? Be like that sometimes. Yeah. Well, I, I, it is a weird situation. I like Trey Lance. I mean, haven't seen a whole lot of him. I like his talents. Um, he is, he's big. He's physical. He can move around the field really well got a great arm um you know they've got some really good weapons there for him to work with but you just got to wonder like confidence wise i think a lot of times the biggest step people make is whenever they they know they're the man they know it's their team their their coach their offense everyone is all in on them being the guy 
and you just kind of take off from there. If you've got, if you've got a guy like Jimmy G just kind of shadowing, still hanging out, you know, the locker room is, is going to be kind of split, you know, that it's, I feel it takes away from your guy. Yeah. I, I just think that if he's your guy, you got to make him feel like the guy. Now, now maybe you say, Hey, you're the guy, like, don't even worry about the, uh, about the, uh, the backup, whoever it is, but it sort of feels like the 49ers telling everyone they don't fully believe in Trey Lance. And, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it's just a really odd thing to do, especially after the 49ers pretty much said, Hey, well, we're going to do whatever we got to do to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo and unload that contract. Now, uh, no quarterbacks ended up getting hurt or anything like that. I understand there's a, you know, there, there are some, some roadblocks to them trading him, but I don't know. Just not great, man. But it is, uh, it, it, it's not great. And speaking of not great, Rumors swirling, little late, late edition here, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, we hinted uh, at it earlier. Yeah, I guess it's it's starting to kind of leak out there about Wanya Morris uh, possibly not being available for the upcoming football game, and I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know many of the details, but I'll, first thing I'll say about it is this. Used to, this would be something that would kind of have us in a panic, right? But from what we've heard about the depth and the way guys have, have come along, that you feel like you're in a pretty good spot here regardless. Yeah, and, you know, if it's a suspension just for this game or just for the first two games, uh, and it's disappointing because Wanye has been a guy that he, he has really gotten his stuff together off the field, but you, you're going to, you're going to want him back for Nebraska, right? These first two games, they are, they're layups. I mean, they are, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that they're not, but when you talk about, okay, we, we need real depth. I, I think that, you know, that week three matchup, hopefully he takes care of what he needs to take care of off the field in order to be, available now whether he starts that game i don't know right uh, i mean bv you talk about the accountability he he wants from his guys this is this is not not a good way for uh for wanye morris to get into the good graces this is uh this is disappointing man because i really thought he had figured everything out yeah well you know these things are going to happen and you know, I, it's like, you don't know. I, I don't know how long it's going to go. I don't know, frankly, any of the details about it, but you'd prefer it happen now. Right. And, and someone can work into that role and, and maybe, maybe earn the spot, you know? So I don't know. It, it's better than it coming up without you knowing about it and kind of thrust on you in the middle of a season, whenever, you know, the schedule may look a little different for your opponent that week or, or in the coming weeks. Yeah. All right. 
episode 245 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy the game, ladies and gentlemen. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one.